Hello and welcome to Movement, the weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, we interview a leader from within our movement and then ask them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. All right, so we're back for another episode of Movement Podcast, and this time I'm here with Pastor Don Haywood from Aboriginal Marine Community Church. And Uncle Don, it's such a joy today to sit with you and have a conversation with you. We're really excited to hear a bit more about who you are and what you're passionate about and what you do. And so thank you for having me here uh, at the church home um, as we record today here in Cheltenham. Just wondering if you can introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and, yep. and your family and, and help the people who are listening to uh, get to know you a little bit. Yeah, no, thank you, Elliot. Yeah, I'm um, married and I, my wife's name is Carly. And in the Aboriginal way, you say gali, which means boomerang. So I can let her go wherever she wants. <laughs> She'll always come back to me. I have four children, Joshua, Caleb, Isaac, and Kasiah. And just a little bit of history about myself. I grew up on an Aboriginal reserve, southwest corner of Western Australia. And like a lot of the Aboriginal reserves, a lot of violence, a lot of alcoholism. It was almost like we were hidden out of sight and you could do whatever you want to yourselves, destroy yourselves or whatever. I sort of felt like that um, when I reflected on it years later. You know, my mum was a chronic alcoholic, so we grew up in a very uh, violent fueled um, home. And in the early 70s she gave her heart to the Lord and wow it was just the most amazing transformation that I've seen in anyone's life and that just blew me away and I thought then about the transforming power of Christ in someone's life it just radically changed my mother she was never ever the same person again and uh it's such a joy for the Lord that she'd tell everyone, <laughs> anyone and everyone uh, about the Lord. So she always talked about that verse, you know, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ because of the power of God unto salvation. So we've never been hesitant in sharing our faith, you know, the spiritual when we get the opportunity to do that. But I, but I think that was the scene the power of Christ and how it transformed my mother, I then saw the potential how it could transform anyone really from whatever background or whether it was a, you know, especially with violence and alcoholism and hopelessness and all those sorts of things. So just an incredible, incredible transformation. And, and can you unpack that a little bit more for your own journey? How did seeing your mother's faith? kind of transform your own life. Yeah, yeah, like I, in my, you know, when you get into your teenage years, you just start sort of trying to work out your own things in life and what life means to you and what you make out of life and what you want to become. And I I actually went down the track. I went down the track of alcoholism and violence and, and those sorts of things. And I think when I was at the end of my tether, sort of thinking about, how much destruction had come into my own life, I then thought about my mother and I thought about 
what Christ had done in her life. And then I made the decision to accept Jesus as personal Lord and Saviour of my life. And then began to see that oh, the transformation in my own life. And I've always believed in my heart that uh, I would never be alive today if it wasn't for Christ. And so how does a young fella from a corner of WA end up here in Adelaide? Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I helped this um, friend of mine drive over from Adelaide. And back in those days, you sort of work within your pay week. And so I said, well, I'll drive over this week because I've got money this pay and I'll wait for a couple of weeks and then go back to Western Australia. But when I came to South Australia, it was just... Something about Adelaide that I really liked and it was enough to keep me here after the two weeks and then, and then I um, uh, got accommodation in a, in a hostel, an Aboriginal hostel and so I then uh, started going to church and then it just sort of snowballed from there. So you found your way over to Adelaide and you uh, liked it here and you got involved in the church here. What happens next, mate? What's, what's going on in your story? I was in the church, but I also wanted to try and find a job here. And so I then approached a couple of organisations and ended up getting a, a job working on the streets of Adelaide, working with young people who were homeless. I did that for 12 months and then I did some more work with that a huge petrol sniffing problem up in the APY lands. Yeah. And so they sent a lot of the young ones down to Adelaide and so they then asked me to be involved with that. And So I've done a lot of work with young Aboriginal people and then we end, I ended up working within the McGill Training Centre okay. and we were able to, don't know how we did it, but we were able to get the young people out one day a week and we worked with 12 young people for 12 months yeah. and it broke the cycle. Wow. So those young men, once they left uh, the institution within 12 months, never ever went back into the institution or into, you know, the next level, which is the adult prison system. So, you know, and a lot of that was around those young men giving their hearts to the Lord. It's not that we were sort of forcing our, our own belief on them, but they knew who we were and yeah. our faith. And so they used to ask a lot of questions and so gave us opportunity and, yeah. So still the transforming power of Christ yeah. in the lives of those young men just sort of goes back to how it transformed my mother and how it transformed my, myself and how it continues to transform the lives of people that I've encountered over the years. Yeah, okay. And then now you're a pastor, a community leader, someone who... In the stories that I hear and the people that talk about you is, is known across SA and, and WA and highly respected, even being called uncle yes. now, whether you like it or not. Yeah, whether whether, whether I like it to, or not. Yeah, someone we look up to and, and then learn from. How did you move from that kind of youth work space, young people space, into the ministry and, and into where you are now? In the, the late 80s, early 90s, I went to uh, the Churches of Christ Theological College in Sydney. But the Lord had to do something in my heart because I was still very anti-white. I was still had a, had a hatred for white people. 
I think those four years, and I know those four years at theological college, the Lord had to shift something deep within my within my heart around that. I remember he sent these two older white couple in, or non-Aboriginal couple, to, out of Penrith, and they befriended me, and they became like my parents. You know, like the, I had so much respect for them, but the Lord did something within that. And then I realised that once the Lord had helped me through that, that it was going to take me to that type of ministry is to me what I call as a bridge builder between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal. So I've always had that in the back of my mind and I've never lost sight of that. Then I got married in 92 and then came back to Adelaide in 96, 97. Did a bit more work in the state government and the community organisations, but then I felt a real desire to go into full-time ministry. But mind you, I fought the Lord for two years. I didn't want to be a pastor. I, I really didn't. Wow. And the reason I didn't want to be a pastor because I felt I wasn't good enough. Okay. I felt that all the things that I'd done in my early years and all those sorts of things sort of, I felt, Lord, get someone else. Yeah. <laughs> And the Lord, the Lord fought with me, and in the end, um, in the end, he won. Yeah. <laughs> After two years, I said, "Well, Lord, if that's where you want me, then I'll go into ministry." And so this is where I am today, as a pastor of the Aboriginal Green Community Church. Wow, that's a great, that's a great story, Don. Of transformation from, you know, that that life that you described early on, all the way through to now, continuing to work and proclaim the transforming power of Christ, as you, mm. as you say. And one of the things that's so inspiring to me is hearing and meeting some of the stories of people who continue to be transformed mm. uh, by the story of Christ. You, you've alluded to it a little bit, but what are you, what are you passionate about, mate? What, do you, what, what gets you going? Oh, well, I've, I've, always, I've always believed, even before I became a Christian, I've always believed in people's full potential. Yeah. The, the, and, you know, especially with Aboriginal people, I've, I've worked really hard around saying to Aboriginal people, you can, be, you can be anything you want. There are so many opportunities for us to be able to do that. The only person that will hold you back is yourself. And so if, if anything, I've become an encourager to those that feel they're not good enough or they're, they're not going to become anything. And so when you work with people like that and you then start seeing them change and become someone they'd never thought they'd be, there was something so rewarding about that. You know, and so in the context of the church, I will always try and encourage those to think about the giftedness or the talents that God has given to them and then create the opportunities for that to happen. You know, and obviously people have their own personal issues they have to try and deal with when they come out of a life that's riddled with sin and all the challenges around that. But this is a journey we travelled together. So, you know, I always think about that verse uh, where it says, the, I think it's Second Corinthians 5, 17, where it says the old is gone, the new has come. And this new is something very exciting that I, I see the potential in people of what that new means. Yeah. And when they start fulfilling that, it, it means that the work you do is, is not in vain, you know. It's yeah. like it's, 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 it's amazing to see people become what God has called them to be in the, to their full potential. Yeah. 
And is that, is that part of what sustained you? Because you're, um, you've got so many stories of where that's true in people's lives, but there's also stories of watching people take two steps forward, one step back, or journeying with people and, and finding the frustrations of, of the challenges and the complexities growing up in Australia, growing up in Australia as an Aboriginal young person, for example. How do you keep going, mate? What, what keeps you going in that? I think it, you have to be realistic in, in knowing and I've always talked to people around the, the, the ministry within the Aboriginal church is a lot of the people that come into the church give their hearts to the Lord because they want to make a radical change in their life. And that radical change is a huge shift from where they are at that time to where they want to be. So if you think about the multiplicity of issues and the complexity of issues within the Aboriginal community, layer upon layer upon layer, there is, it, it can be very frustrating work, but it's a work you know you have to keep working out because you, you'll, you'll get there and people can't do it by themselves. They have to, you have to travel the journey with them. And, and I only look at my own life and I think I've, I would have never got to this point today without the people that supported me along the way. And that has been both Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, and I, I give respect to that. And so I know that for people to, you know, to be transformed through Christ is that support is critical. It is really critical. And it, and it is, it's eternal work. It's, it, it's work that it will go into eternity, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, what have you, um, in, your, in your role, you've been doing this for a number of years now, Learning a lot, seeing a lot, hearing a lot. What, what, what are you learning about who God is and what he's like and, and what he can do? I think one of the, the most important things about God is his love. Mm. You know, and I remember when, when I grew up as a child on the reserve, and if I think about a father, I, I never really had a, had a father, and the father figures I knew were violent. Mm. You know, so I never understood what love was all about. Mm. And so... Once I began experiencing God's love, it changed everything within me. Mm. Like, cause it, it, had, it had to, because mm. I had so much hatred and so much anger, and that was just eating away at me. And I had a very vengeful spirit, because I remember one time when my mother was hit across the head with an axe, I, I said to myself, when I get old enough, I'm going to kill the guy that did that. And before I could get to that age, he passed away. And I felt robbed that I couldn't do that. And so that, that vengeful spirit in my heart, it was destroying me. That anger, you know, that negative anger and, and other things. And so when, when I began to experience God's love, it, everything changed within me. And then I started seeing the world differently. Yeah. I really did start seeing, and, and it's, I don't know how to explain it, but I could, I could see, begin to see people the way that God saw people and, and then I believed that's where God wanted me to be, to be able to love people as... Now, I, I don't have the same capacity to love as God loves, but I know what the standard is. So I know where he wants me to go and I know I'll never get to there in this lifetime, but I know where I, I need to get to, you know, so... Maybe it might take eternity. <laughs> 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 
It's, it's just so good to hear some of that heart um, and your honesty, Uncle Don, in, in that change in you. What are you still learning? What are you still wrestling with? Well, I, I'm at an age now. I'm 61 and uh, an elder, yeah. uncle. Uncle, yes. Um, what, what I'm really wrestling with at the moment is where are the next generation of leaders? Mm. I really am wrestling and I've, I've been thinking about this for the last five to six years um, because what I've found in quite a number of the Aboriginal evangelical churches across the country, there was a real lack mm. of up-and-coming leaders. Mm. And so now I, I'm, I've been saying to our older ones, is we really have to start thinking about this now. We have to start thinking about where is our next generation of leaders coming from. And so I've invested a bit of time into, and I know Tira does um, the course intern, internship yeah, course, internship, yeah. and also Terence did it, um, I reckon, last, last year. year yeah. And then also with Lonnie, I've invested quite a bit of time, and he's now in his second year of Bible college. Yeah. And I also have a couple of other younger ones now that the next step could very well be Bible college or into some training. So I've, I've really started rethinking through that and maybe by retirement, I don't know. Do you, do you ever retire in the Lord? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> he just takes you to something else. <laughs> what, what would you hope those young leaders, if they were listening to us today, Yep and listen to this podcast, what would you love to tell them? What would you love to share with them? Look, uh, uh, and, and I have. I've spoken quite a, a bit to my young leaders and the, and, the, and the thing that I always say to our young leaders is it, it, it's, it's not just about leadership. It's about godly leadership. It's about the leaders that God wants. You know, so the, the servanthood of, of leadership to love people as God loves them, to have a burning desire in your heart to see people come to know the Lord, to be able to be involved in in a ministry where you can see people's lives have changed, you know, transformed uh, dramatically. And, and I think the other thing is um, I am saying to our, our up-and-coming leaders, you, you're most probably experiencing things we've never experienced. So there are some things I'm not going to be able to really teach you about. You're going to have to learn that, you know, in your experience and in your wisdom that God gives you in relation to what's happening around us. Because in Australia at the moment, um, Elliot, my big concern is, and it's a concern on our Aboriginal community, the number of uh, suicides yeah. and the number of attempted suicides, the amount of depression, anxiety. It is just, uh, there's something badly wrong in this country at the moment. And I know that our young people are going to have to make a, a greater response to that than most probably we will, we will be able to. And so somehow we have to come and stand with them and support them yeah. and whatever that may be, you know. Yeah. I think a question that often comes to my mind and, and is often asked by non-Aboriginal Australians is as we see tragedies like rates of suicide, rates of incarceration, life expectancies, all, all, of, uh, all of the challenges that the yeah. Aboriginal community faces, is, is how can we as non-Aboriginal Australian Christians mm -hmm. journey with you yeah. and best support and, and encourage the Aboriginal Christian Church 
yep. in, in this story of reconciliation and renewal and bringing life and hope and healing into the, into the yep. Australian yep. story yep. and into um, these issues. How, how would you answer that? that oh, look, I, I, and, and I've, always, I've always been open and honest with non-Aboriginal people, whether it's in the context of the church, whether it's in the context of, you know, the non-church, if you want to call it that, is you, you, you need to know knowledge is crucial. You need to know what's happening in this country. You know, there is so much information now that you can access yeah. to get an idea of what's happening in this in this country. And and in the in the accessing of that knowledge, quite often there are organizations that you can connect with or or make a link to um, you know, and so there and they do in, in these in these organizations they they do have ideas of how people can be involved and and those sorts of things. In the context of the church, I reckon uh, if 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 our capacity to be able to respond to what's happening around us can increase, it, it would be the most beneficial thing to the Aboriginal church. You know, and obviously that means resources and and those sorts of things. But if you can see it as an investment into developing the capacity of the Aboriginal church with the intent that there then can be a, not only investment but a partnership that can develop from it, mm. that, that's where we want to go. Yeah. So it's not, a, it's not an investing and taking a step back. Yeah. It's an investing and seeing let's work together now, yeah. how we can do that together. Because you, we know as an Aboriginal church there's not a lot of us, mm. but if you build the numbers... Yeah then it can have, a, it can have a, a, a dramatic impact on making a response to what's happening around us. Yeah. And I've always been I've always been a believer in that. I've never been a believer in investing and then taking a step back. Yeah. I'm thinking if you're investing, then let's work in partnership yeah. and see what that looks like yeah. and then travel together. You know, and so have have you got some examples of... Where that's beginning or happening? Oh well, well, the classic example, <laughs> the classic example is you know our church, yeah. the Aboriginal Brian Community Church, and the yes. partnership yeah. it has with the Baptist Churches SA, and so we've always believed that out of that out of that partnership would come these connections yeah. with Baptist churches, and so we now have a have a close working relationship with the Grange Baptist Church, right. yeah. and we were quite connected with you guys yeah. <laughs> Brisbane Baptist Church at one time. Oh, now you moved on, but yeah. but also the Unley Park Baptist Church right. and now the Glen Osmond Baptist Church. So there's uh, some of your young people are connected with the Port Church. Yeah, the, so the Port Church. Church. So there are there are all these connections that are happening we never had before. Yeah, okay. We, we never have. Yeah. But because we then went into partnership with the Baptist Churches SA created this opportunity for us. And some of the things that have come out of it um, have been both beneficial to us as a church yeah. and also to those churches themselves. Yeah. So we, we look forward to, uh, yeah, what God is going to do around all this. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't know exactly where it all will end, but I think as we travel, yeah. God will give us a bit of a sense of that. Yeah. And then if we've got the end in mind, then we can work together. Towards it, you know, and so because it's 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 new for us. Because yeah. 20, 30, 40 years we've sort of been working in isolation, independent. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is 
This is very new for us. It's very challenging, but very exciting. That's great. I love yeah. the posture in this, um, Uncle Don, and, and I've certainly learned a lot from you as you included us in partnership and journey with these churches and, as, and, and us at the Baptist Church's office as well. And we've always been so thankful for your desire to be in partnership and, mm. and what you're willing to teach us as we go. We've been through 18 months or more now of uh, a really challenging season, quite different than any of us have ever experienced before. What's, what's been particularly challenging or, or has, it, has opportunities been created during this season that you didn't expect? I reckon our sense of how isolated people can be. Yeah. The truth is, even before COVID came in, people can get isolated very quickly. Yeah. And, and I think what God has given us a sense of is a, um, where's such and such, like what's happening with them? Who's, has anyone made contact with them or has anyone seen them? Or, you know, so this, this awareness and it's become a lot more acute is how is each one of us traveling yeah. you know and so how do we how do we keep connected with each other you know even when you don't have church service you know does who, who rings someone or who if you're allowed to visit so it's it's trying to just be acutely aware of let's not allow people to get too isolated yeah because the COVID itself, I reckon, has, has done something to us and we're, we're not, I don't think we quite understood the, the huge impact it's had on us all mm. and we might sort of understand that a little bit in the future. But I think one of, the, one of the things that we've thought about is the level of anxiety mm. and depression yeah. and that isolation becomes a, a, it can be a precursor to that. Yeah. And so... To be able to yeah to keep connected with each other, I think if if I could sum it up, it'd be keeping connected. Yeah, keeping yeah. connected. Yeah, one of the things that I I'm always trying to listen to you as I as we talk, as we yarn, as we spend time together is is just learning from your unique cultural perspective and what is it that that I can open myself up to and posture myself as a learner and a listener and a, and a partner in, in this journey together. I guess I want to give you an opportunity to not just speak to me, but to everyone who might be listening. What would you love us to know or hear or understand? Is there, is there something you really want us to get? Yeah, look, I, in, uh, and I can't think of the verb, <laughs> it talks about us being equal. Like no Jew, no Greek, mm. no male, no female, no slave. And it goes on. And I often think about the value we, we place on each other. I, I think Western society is, it's insidious in how we, we give greater value to certain people and lesser value to others. But in Aboriginal culture way, it, it, everything is equal value. So equal value and equal participation. Yeah. And so underlining right through it is this, this is share, care, and respect, and they're, they're principles that, that are really being, you know, attacked. Like, I feel now people are becoming a lot more selfish, a lot more self-centred, whereas that's not who we are, that's not who we should be. And that was never a cultural aspect and, and you know, it was never a characteristic in Aboriginal cultures that, that sharing, caring and respect are, are critical in 
how we look after each other. And I, and I think, um, and we always talk about it here, you know, like we always say that in the church, we are family. Now, we have, a, we have a, an incredible sense of what that means because yeah. it's not just immediate family, yeah. it's extended family and all the, all the connections that occur with that. So we have no problems in, in saying to ourselves we, we are family. And Pat, the other elder in our church, Pat and I always used to talk about this and we talked about it for 20 years. Mm. We said, if, if anything, in the church... If we can get people in the church to know they are family, yeah. then it, it might eradicate quite a number of the, <laughs> the challenges and the problems we have, you know. Because yeah. if I know oh, you're my sister or you're my brother yeah. and I know how to treat my brother and sister, yeah. then I should do the same yeah. with you. You know, so, and that's who we are in Christ, you yeah. know, so we are. Yeah. We are brothers and sisters, so... If, if anything, we would encourage churches to see each other as family and look after each other with, as family with the basic principles of share, care and respect and that people are of equal value. You know, James, James says, don't show favouritism, yeah. <laughs> but of, of equal value. Yeah. I think, um, is it true, could it be true, I, this is what I would think, I, is that family is a full word? For us, so for many uh, non-Aboriginal Australians, particularly, family kind of is limited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's defined. Yeah. yeah. And and I think we have. You're right. We have got a lot to learn from Aboriginal family culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, how does that play out in, in practical terms in, in your community? What what does that look like when it's happening well? I, I I think it's it's you know if we talk about sharing, so it, it's understanding where people are at, and so. If people are struggling, then we sort of don't say to ourselves, well, we'll pray for them. <laughs> You've got to change the mindset and think, well, if they're struggling, how can we as a church or we as individuals support people in that? Not, not to the point where they become dependent, but where they see that you are responding to a need and that that's part of who we are, you know, as, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, in, in, our, in our community, we have a huge amount of deaths. Like, it's just, this year has been crazy. It is so many deaths that have happened in our community. So what we do in, in, in the, you know, in the, in the remote areas, they have sorry camps. So in Adelaide, they will have, like, a, a house that is designated. Okay. And so then what we do is we say, well, let's take some food there, let's uh, coffee, tea or whatever, because we know there's a lot of people that are going to come. And so it's uh, understanding there might be a member in our church that that might be their extended family, but it also creates an opportunity for us at church to respond to that. And quite often I'm asked to conduct their funeral services. Yeah. And so there's already a connection being made. Yeah. It's, that, it's that whole notion of knowing that we are really struggling as an Aboriginal community yeah. and that how can we as a church be able to respond to that in a way which makes people know that we care for them yeah. and that we love them. You know? and, and that's very powerful. It is very powerful when you reach out to someone who's in great need. Mm. It doesn't take a lot for people to know that you care. Yeah. And when they know that you care, 
then they're willing to listen a little bit more to you about, you know, especially if we want to share about Christ and want to share about, you know, us as Christians. Yeah, so it does make a huge difference. Uncle John, um, you've taken us on a bit of a journey today. You're taking us all the way back into WA and introduced us to uh, your mom and the transforming work of Christ in her life and the impact that that had on you. I feel really privileged to uh, have been let in on some of your story and and what you've been learning. Thank you for sharing that with me and with uh, all of our listeners as well here on the podcast. We really appreciate who you are and what you do and we want to continue to learn from you uh, and honour you as an uncle. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks for listening to Movement today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe, and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Season two of Movement is hosted and produced by the team at Baptist Churches of SA. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest.